I'm glad I can be overwhelmed when I hear a lyric that just speaks to my heart. I'm thankful to the Lord for for songs and hymns and spiritual songs that, that He has granted for people to write and is still blessing people to write songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Uh, but, but but now, but now, as as second Sunday every every month, uh, why why do we do this? Why do we have communion? Because of what Christ has done. To be reminded, because prone to wonder, prone to leave the God I love, the old hymn come thy fount. We need reminding. I need reminding, and I've got a a feeling that you do too. That we could be reminded of. The miracle of salvation. That we be reminded of the grace of God that came down. Born in a manger for a purpose. Born in a manger headed for the cross. That He could pay the debt of sin that we owed and could not pay. Could never repay. And so may our thoughts be upon the communion table and, and let us consider once again, as, as we do, to have our minds focused on the cross of Jesus Christ. I could ask the question, how important is the cross? <laughs> to the born-again believer, it's, it's our everything. And yes, you could put it all together. Well, you had to have the incarnation, yes. And, and the cross, well, well, you had to have the resurrection, well, yes. You know, he, he died for our sin. He was raised for our justification, you see. How important? Here's, here's what Paul said in Galatians 6, verse 14. But God forbid that I should boast. The King James Version says, I should glory. Except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. So Father, once again, we just ask that let your Holy Spirit speak. Let your word speak. And Father, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And who we are not, make us. For Christ's sake and in His name I pray. Amen. Amen. But God forbid that I should boast. Uh, That Greek word uh, translated as boast means to exalt, to glory, to rejoice, to boast in, to glory over (laughs) so so the apostle paul is saying he is rejoicing in the cross of jesus christ the cross a a place of excruciating death why why would paul glory in such a thing well listen because in it in the sacrifice of the lord jesus christ on the cross is the source of every believer's righteousness and acceptance before God. In the cross is the source of every believer's righteousness and acceptance before God. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, we read this probably every communion Sunday. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So, child of God, we have Jesus who took upon Himself our sin. God the Father made Jesus, His only begotten Son, who knew no sin to be what? Sin. 
To be sin for us. Why? Why? Well, it tells us why. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. In Christ. So our sins... Can I use that word imputed? Our sins imputed to Christ. That that means our sins placed on Christ as if they were His own. And in return for those who believe what? In return for all who believe and receive Jesus Christ, His righteousness imputed, imparted, placed upon us. You see, my righteousness, child of God, your righteousness is not your own. It is it is foreign to you. It is from another. And it's Jesus Christ. It is Christ doing, our righteousness is Christ doing the work of the cross. That is by this imputed righteousness that we are made acceptable to God. Because apart from the death of Christ upon the cross, sinners get nothing but judgment. Apart from the cross of Jesus Christ, there is only condemnation. Therefore, everything that we enjoy in Christ, everything we boast in, everything we rejoice in, is owing to the death of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And we can sing with joy. Now that lyric keeps coming back to me. (laughs) A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. He taketh my burden away. What burden? Burden of sin. The burden of sin. And He takes it away. He he holdeth me up. And I shall not be moved. He giveth me strength as my day. He's a wonderful Savior. And He takes our sins away away do you understand what paul is saying but god forbid that i should boast except in the cross of jesus christ all our boasting all our rejoicing should flow from the source of the cross of jesus christ because it was there that all our blessings were purchased at a tremendous cost what was the price to pay for my sin what was the price to pay for your sin The death of God's only begotten Son. That's how the depth of my sin, the depth of your sin was so great that the only thing that could pay for our sin was for Christ to give Himself upon a cross. So may all our boasting, all our rejoicing be in the cross of Jesus Christ. Because we were all sinners We were all once children of wrath apart from Christ, far from the covenant of promise, but we who believe have been brought near to God. How? By what we've been talking about, by Christ. Let's read Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 13. Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. Then we're going to be going to Colossians for a little while. Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. Therefore, remember that you... Once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the, he- in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers 
from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now let me pause there for just a second. That is a picture of every one of us at some point. Lost. No hope. No hope. And, and in verse 13, but God, or but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near. How? How were we brought near? By the blood of Christ. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. How important is the cross of Jesus Christ? It is our everything. Colossians 1. Colossians 1. Verses 13 and 14. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He, <laughs> Christ the Lord, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of of sins. You see, it is through the blood of Christ that we have forgiveness of sins. And if you drop down to verse 19, 19 through 22, for it pleased the Father that in Him, in Christ, all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. We who, who our sins were once as scarlet, and He has washed us and made us white as snow, so that every born-again believer one day can stand before God the Father, dressed in a righteousness not of our own, but of Christ Jesus, and will be presented before God the Father, holy, blameless, and above reproach. Because of what Christ has done. Because of what Christ has done. If you turn to the second chapter of Colossians. Second chapter. 13 and 14. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. <laughs> you see, it's that verse right there that, that I love as well. Verse 3, verse 3 of it as well. Do you see where the writer of that old hymn got all of that? My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, it is With my soul, 
It is well, it is well with my soul. It, it is well because of what Christ has done. Because of Him going to the cross. Our sins are covered by the blood. Sins nailed to the cross. See, Paul knew the great importance of the work of the cross. First Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2, first two verses. And I, brethren, and this is Paul talking, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So, so what was the basis of, of Paul's message? What did he preach? Well, let's, let's back up into the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 21 through 24. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Who will be saved? Those who believe. What's the, what's the one sin, the unpardonable sin? I'm even going to say it that way. Unbelief. There's only one thing that's going to send anybody to hell. It's unbelief. It's unbelief. Take everything else and just wrap it into that one thing. It's unbelief in the promises of God. Unbelief in the cross of Jesus Christ. Unbelief in, in why Jesus came. That, that's why anybody goes to hell. They don't believe in, in the gospel message. It, it pleased God through the message of the, through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. See, that, that's what I want to do. I want to preach Christ crucified because it is within Christ crucified that the blood of Christ can forgive sins, can cover sins, you see. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block. And it still is. He still is, isn't he? He's still a stumbling block to the Jews. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. <laughs> To the Greeks, to the learned. Oh, we got this all figured out. And all that Jesus stuff, all that Bible stuff, that's just a bunch of hogwash. That's a bunch of foolishness. Yeah. And that and that's what we all thought. And that's all we can think on our own. Until the Lord opens our eyes. Until the Holy Spirit comes. And gives us revelation of truth. We, we didn't come up with that ourselves. We didn't one day get so smart that we understood it. No, it was a miracle of God. It was His grace and mercy that, that He opened our eyes that we might see that He raised us out of the deadness of our sin and gave us life, gave us faith. But we preached Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, <laughs> see, when you get the call, the call of the Holy Spirit, the call of truth, both Jews and Greek, 
Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. <laughs> God, through the foolishness of the message preached. Well, what message? The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message of the cross. And did you, it pleased God. It pleased God to save those who believe the message of Jesus Christ. And you know the question I'm getting ready to ask. I've asked it a thousand times and I'll keep asking it over and over and over because it says to save those who believe. Well, the question then comes down to, do you believe? Do you believe? And, and is your belief more than the demons themselves who believe and tremble? Because they know who Jesus is. And they know what their end will be. Is your belief no better than that? Oh yeah, I've heard of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I believe. Yeah, he he probably was on the earth. No, that that's not the kind of belief it's talking about here. Do you believe? Are you saved? Let, let's go to John the third chapter. John the third chapter. You know the verses. Let's do fourteen and fifteen. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now I'm going to pause there for a minute. Because I always find that this, this is a tremendous picture here. It, it is. I, I love this, this picture that we get out of this. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Well, what's it talking about? It's talking about Numbers 21. And we're not going to read it today. You can go back and read that account yourself. But... Because of, you remember the story, because of the Israelites' sin of ingratitude, they're murmuring, they're complaining, they're rebellion. God sent a curse upon them. And we've talked about this several times. What was the curse? Go ahead, you can say it. Snakes. It was snakes. He, he, he sent snakes. And, and the snakes were biting people, and they were dying because of the snake bites. Well, God provided a remedy. Provided a cure. Do you remember what the cure was? It was a bronze serpent. Uh, you know, to, uh, to fat, Moses fashioned a, a bronze serpent, a, a picture of the actual curse, put it on a pole and lift it up in the camp. And then everyone who would look to that, look up and look to that that was lifted up, would be saved. That they would they would be healed from their condition. They would live. And so the means God chooses to rescue the people from this curse is a picture of the curse itself. Snakes were killing them, and looking to the image of the curse provided the cure. All they had to do in order to be saved from from this curse, this God's wrath that was upon them, that was was killing them, was to look at. God's provision lifted up on the pole. Do you get the imagery of this? The Old Testament giving us types and shadows of that which is to come. And this is a picture of Christ being lifted up upon a cross. And, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus lifted up on the cross as the cure for the curse of sin. Do you see that? 
The, the, the curse of sin that is upon all mankind. You see, in Numbers 21, the curse of God sent to this rebellious people was serpents biting them and killing people, and the cure was to look at the image that was lifted up, a picture, a symbol of the curse. And in the New Testament, the curse upon all mankind is sin, which brings the wrath of God. The one hanging on the cross is made to be what? We read the verse earlier. Made to be sin. Made to be sin into the very thing that is the curse. And Jesus takes it upon Himself. The very wrath of God that we might receive the cure, that we might go free, that we might have eternal life. I love when I read John third chapter, I love that. Because we get a picture of it. Hundreds and hundreds of years earlier in the scripture of what Christ was going to do. Galatians 3, look at this. Galatians 3, verses 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now listen, he listens, say amen. Having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become the curse, having become sin. God the Father made Him to be sin into the very curse that is sending mankind to hell apart from belief in Jesus Christ. And so what, what must we do? What must we do to be saved? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Isaiah 45, verse 22. Isaiah 45, verse 22. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. That we look to the Lord, look to Him. And so the question is, have you believed? Have you been cured from your curse of sin, if I could put it that way? Let's go back to John 3 and read verses 14 through 19. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Let me pause there. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. It was already condemned. God's, God sent his, his son into the world to give his life so that, that some may be saved. Verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but now, now listen, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. See, there it is, isn't it? There it is. He who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world. That Christ has come into the world. And men love darkness. They love their sin rather than light because their deeds were evil. In Romans 10, 9 through 13, you know these verses. That if you confess the, with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. 
<laughs> saved from what? Saved from the wrath of God. That's why. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith. See for those who believe the message of the cross it becomes for them the power of God unto salvation. Christ died for our sins on the cross and took away the wrath and secured for us, for all who believe, eternal life. Blood-bought mercy because of what Christ has done. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of Jesus Christ. I believe Paul is saying that the cross is always to be magnified. That Christ crucified should always be our boasting and rejoicing that the crucified Christ should always get the glory, the thanks and the honor for what He has done. And may we always remember Christ. May we always remember the cross. And, and, and in, in the Word, Jesus Christ Himself gave us a way to remember Him, to remember His death, burial, and resurrection. Turn to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. The means by which he gave us a remembrance is on this table before us today. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 through 26, the Apostle Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So you can kind of get the picture in the upper room. Jesus took two elements from the Passover meal. First, he took the bread. And he'd been explaining and trying to explain to his disciples what was coming. He talked about himself as bread in John, the sixth chapter, verse, verse 35. John 6, verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. If you drop down to verses 50 and 51. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. And we understand what he was talking about. He's going to give his body on the cross. That's what he was talking about. And then he took the cup and he talked of a new covenant in my blood. That was in Matthew 26. 
28, Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Let me read just a couple more verses. In, in Ephesians 1, verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Oh, it's all through the blood of Christ. 1 Peter 1, verse Peter 1, verses 18 through 21. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through Him believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Romans 3, verse 24 through 26. Romans three twenty four through 26. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because of His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. What can wash away our sins? Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Can, can we sing a, a little bit of that? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So Father, help us now as we prepare to partake of communion together that we might remember Christ and what He has done.